We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddles. After the dust settles, we've had uh, uh, quite a Sunday here in uh, in the IU football world. Uh, we'll get to that news uh, here in a second. We do also want to go over Indiana's 31-10 loss to Michigan. Along with me is Hoosier Huddle writer Zach Green and Peaks.com football insider Matt Weaver. Uh, so welcome to you two. Um, putting the game aside first, we don't want to bury the lead uh, here. Uh, it was announced just as the 1 p.m. Uh, NFL games kicked off that Indiana offensive line coach Darren Hiller had been fired by Tom Allen and that Rod Carey, who was a uh, an analyst uh, for IU this year, is taking over Hiller's responsibilities for the remainder of the season. Uh, Rod Carey is a former Hoosier player and played in the early 90s under Bill Mallory. He is also uh, has served as the offensive line coach at University of North Dakota from 28, uh, 2008 to 2010 and Illinois State in 2007. Uh, he was also the head coach over at NIU um, from 2012 uh, to 2018 and then Temple University uh, from 2019 and 20, uh, to 2021. He has seven bowl appearances as a head coach. He led NIU to six bowl games, including an Orange Bowl berth against Florida State. Uh, he's a former offensive line coach as well. Um, let's go. Let's go to you, Matt. Um, what's your What's your take on the situation? This is a move that we saw coming after a seven sack. Uh, twenty at least twenty-seven quarterback hits uh, yesterday, and and uh, ten tackles for loss against Michigan. What was um was that the straw that broke the camel's back? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, you know, we 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 saw it in the in the post-game press conference. I mean, Tom Allen was uh, really unhappy, um, as angry as we've probably seen him. I mean, we've seen him disappointed, frustrated, all the different things, but he was visibly angry. And the one thing about Tom Allen, he kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve. And, you know, even though he didn't come out and say it, I, you know, I, 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 I kind of predicted it afterwards talking to some of you guys and, but it wasn't that hard of a prediction. I mean, if you kind of read between the lines and his answers to some of the questions, it was obvious that something was going to happen. Um, and to me, the most obvious, you know, call was, the O-line job was going to be, um, you know, was going to, you're going to have a new O-line coach and, and Darren Hiller was going to be removed from that spot. So, um, you know, I do think yesterday was a breaking point. I think it's been building, but I mean, it's just, they were not even a competitive unit. I mean, not even remotely competitive and I get it, but it's Michigan, but the bottom line is they, they didn't look like a big 
Big Ten offensive line. They they were very very poor, and it's been this way for a while. I mean, this has kind of been coming. There's just been been no improvement, and you could probably argue there's been regression almost every year with this position group. And at, at some point, you know, something had to be done. It, it, you just you can't keep going along with the same performance week after week. Uh, yeah, and um, Matt. You, you shot me a text literally like third, maybe five seconds after Alan's comments uh, with your feelings on on Hiller. And basically what I said back is, is it, is it going to be tomorrow or is it going to be after the bye week? But with two two games that are kind of swing games of the season, now is the time to make a move. Um, do you see – and actually I want to ask Zach a question first. You were on the field yesterday. Um with uh you know taking pictures was what did you see from the offensive line unit was it as bad on the field as it was uh watching from above um i would say it was probably more recognizable as far as the the fatigue and the distress i think benson went down in the second quarter or maybe second or third quarter and you know who else they were like they were just switching guys in and out and it was very apparent that they were trying to make it work, but it just wasn't clicking. And, um, it was, you know, the first half was fine. And then I, you know, I was like, maybe they're tired, more tired. I don't know. Something hit them. And yeah. Matt, do you expect an immediate impact of, of this move now? You know, it's not like you could go sign a free agent off of, um, off of waivers or, or anything like that, the, the guys you have in the trenches are the guys you're going to have the rest of the year. Uh, what kind? What is realistic improvement for, for this offensive line unit? Well, I mean, I think it's unrealistic. To, you know, I mean, Rod Carey's not a miracle worker, and he's not going to – he can wave a magic wand, and all of a sudden this offensive line is going to be, you know, uh, great. But the, they they don't you know we say they don't need to be great they they need I mean you love for them to be great obviously but you just you need them to be good enough to give this offense a chance to run some of their things um, you know it, it's just there's just they don't have any time to do anything they, every pass is I mean I think what's I don't, you might know that better me but I think Bayslack averaging like five yards a completion or a, an attempt or something I mean it's just ludicrous everything's a dump off because you can't stand in the pocket for any length of time. Um, so they, you know, they, I think there will be some improvement. I think people need to temper their expectations somewhat. I mean, yeah, he's been on the staff, but he's been a consultant. He can't coach on the field. He can watch practice. Um, he's a veteran guy. He's coordinated some good offenses. He's been a quality O-line coach. He just needs to build a more cohesive unit. That's one position where it's really about the unit. You got to have five guys that are kind of, not kind of, they have to play together. I mean, you know, it's almost like you're dancing, like you got to know each other's steps and everything. And they've got to play together, and you just haven't seen that. I mean, they just – they don't – so my biggest – what's going to interest me the most is, you know, who, is it the same five guys? Does he – you know, is it different guys? I mean, you know, you don't have a lot of time. It's not like you can go out and, and do what you do in spring practice and do a lot of individual. I mean, you got to prepare for Maryland. But it'll be interesting to see how closely he's paid attention to the O-line and if he maybe switches some spots up and maybe gives some other guys a chance. I don't know if he will, but – It'll be interesting. I think there will be improvement. How much? It's hard to say. And like I said, I think people need to be realistic. But just a little bit of improvement can really go a long way because this offense plays fast. If you give them a little bit of time, 
we've seen that Baselight can be productive. Um, you know, but the last couple of weeks, he's just been a human pinata back there because he's, he's just getting destroyed. Uh, yeah. And to, to go on to that, he's also now the run game coordinator. Uh, was that something that I, now you, the position coach for the running back usually sets the rotation guys who play in what situations um, and IU has been running, you know, basically almost two series with, with one guy uh, series with another guy. Do you see any changes in the, in the running back rotation too? Because it looks like Josh Anderson is the more productive running back there as well. You have to get Jalen Lucas the ball in uh, some two back looks. Um, do you do you foresee some changes in that rotation, or is that a, a Walt Bell philosophy? You know, that's a good question. I mean, I think that's probably more Walt Bell and Craig Johnson. But you know, maybe there's some things. You know, listen, Rod Carey is an experienced guy. I mean. This- this is not just like a guy who's been – I mean, he's been a head coach. He's been a coordinator. I mean, he was a coordinator for some really good – I think he was the OC when um, Dave Doran was the coach that year. You mentioned they went to the Orange Bowl. I think Doran left to go to – was it Wisconsin or NC? I can't remember what it was. But um, I think he took over for the Orange Bowl. But he's coordinated some really, really good offenses, and he's been a good O-line coach. So he's seen a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, it's probably going to be a little bit of a transition coming in and trying to, you know, voice your opinion. But he's a, he's a veteran guy. He knows how to – I'm sure he knows how to do things without ruffling feathers. But, you know, I'm with you. I think Henderson's a more productive back. I kind of like to see him maybe be the starter. And then you use Shivers as the changeup or, you know, or um, and then, you know, just use Lucas more as a kind of chess piece, move him around. They need to get him the ball more. I mean, I think he touched it, what? four or five times yesterday. I could be wrong eight, on that, but I think that's what it was. Eight times. Was eight? Eight? Okay, time. my bad. Yeah, so, but I think you need to, I like to see him get the ball 10 to 12 times in a game, because I think if you do that, you got a chance for him to bust something, you know, big, kind of a a, a big play. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting going forward what the rotation is. I mean, I think you could even, you didn't bring this up, but I think you could even make some questions about a quarterback. I mean, because obviously yep. it's not all on Connor like, but I asked Coach Allen that yesterday. Any change, you know, you can't change everybody on the offense. And the quarterback's most important position. And sometimes maybe making a change there provides a spark because this offense has become really, really stagnant the last couple of weeks, especially in the second half. And, you know, maybe you give a Jack Tuttle or even a Dexter Williams a shot just to see if it does something, sparks something. It's not all on Connor Bays like, but the bottom line is he's the quarterback and the offense is a producer. So you got to start somewhere. Yeah, that was. You know, a, a good question from you as well. But it's, you know, Connor's kind of a statue back there. I and mean, he's not moving well and, and things like that. And, you know, why not try something? Um, Matt, with, with the immediate firing after Michigan, if IU wasn't playing Michigan last week, was this a move that maybe they do after Nebraska? That's a good question. Um, you mean, so you're not doing a coaching change the week before Michigan? Correct. Like the, the, like the old saying says, you want to give your rah-rah speech when Nolan Ryan and Roger Clemens are not pitching against you that day um, yeah, and, and stuff like that. So that, you know, whatever psychological reasons, if you made that change after Nebraska and you got wrecked against Michigan, it, it doesn't go over very well. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that I think you make a great point there. And obviously, listen, it's not that Maryland's, a, you know, a, a rummy dumb team. I mean, they're a quality program. Um, they're, they've been a quality team this year. They gave Michigan a heck of a game up in the big house. So this is, 
this is going to be you know not an easy game, but it's obviously a lot different level opponent than what you just faced yesterday. I mean, Michigan's a really good team. I mean, they're a legitimate playoff contending type team, you know, for the national title. So I I think it does make sense that um, you wait a week, see how it goes, and then if it's you know obviously how it went yesterday kind of made I would think the decision somewhat easier if you were on the fence if you're Tom Allen. Um, and now you bring him in and you're going up against an opponent where it's a much more level playing field as far as your talent against their talent. So I think that's a good point. Um, you know, switching last week might not have um, had the uh, impact that you were looking for, whereas maybe this week it has a much bigger impact just because, you know, you're not playing as, as you know, talented an opponent as you did yesterday. And then probably a question that's on everybody's mind um, and, and things like that. Why why wasn't this changed before the season? Why wait until game after game six to make this change? Is it a, a you know, a question of the buyout? Is it, you know, uh, Allen's loyalty to, to Hiller who survived a couple OCs and, and things like that. Why wasn't this change? It was such an obvious need after last year as well. Why wasn't this change made in the off season and rather right now at the midpoint of the, 2022 season it's a million dollar question I, I i wish i knew i mean i think he you know another thing i wonder is if you if you go one and two or, or you know in those first three games because i mean let's be honest the line did not play great in those first three games they were you know idaho they were okay but it's idaho i mean but they weren't great and even in those wins um and the, they were able to come away with some wins but even you know it wasn't it wasn't like because of the o-line play but I think because you're three and zero, it's kind of hard to fire a coach when you go three and zero. You know what I mean? It's just that's that would be kind of odd. So, uh, but I I think this is a decision that you could argue uh, with great uh, with validity that this could have been made after last year because the O line was just not good. I'm sorry. Yeah, I would just like to jump in. Um, I think it was a money money problem. Um, this department has just shown that they're already tied, really tight on money. And I think it was just a money problem is, you know, I think before the season, it was what, 800,000 something. Right. I, I don't know how they're going to divide it out. What was I think killer was making about a, make about a half a million. Um, this was the last year of his deal. Um, so they're probably going to be on the hook for around a couple hundred thousand, two fifty maybe. Um, yeah. and, and Zach, Zach may be right, which is, if that's the case, you know, I almost hate to say it out loud because it's just so, it's, it's so distressing because that's not, it's just not, I'm, it's not how you win. It's just not how you, you can't compete if you can't come up with a half a million dollars to get rid of a coach. I mean, and quite honestly, it's chump change in today's college athletics. It's just weird. I was joking yesterday with you guys. It's like finding for me, it's like finding change in the couch. You know what I mean? Because this is, uh, you know, an athletic department, 500000 when you got a $130 million budget, that's not a lot of money. So if that's the case, it's just really disappointing. And, and there's bigger problems with the program than just, uh, you know, an O-line coach, if that's the case. You've got you've to support this program. And hopefully that wasn't the case. Hopefully it was Alan. You know, when I say hopefully, you'd rather it almost be that he gave him another chance than he couldn't do it because his hands are tied financially. Yeah, I, I I agree on that, and you know that was kind of the thinking was they he did to, Allen did take a pay cut to um, buy out Nick Sheridan and and, and make a change at offensive coordinator, which was also needed. Um, but 
it's yeah, it's not a good sign if you know an obvious change needs to be made, and it just didn't because they couldn't come up with the money. You can make up that in you know you had fifty thousand people at the game yesterday with you know with a game or two of beer sales and parking and all of that stuff. Let's get to the actual game. Indiana Falls thirty one ten to Michigan. It was ten ten at halftime. Um, it looked almost looked like Indiana would take the lead. They had a very late offensive pass interference penalty called. But as uh, Don Fisher said a couple times in, in the booth yesterday uh, to, to Rhett Lewis and I, we are playing Michigan and Michigan is undefeated. Uh, and this is not the wackiest call that he's ever seen in this series. Um, so, you know, what did you like? Uh, in that game, Matt, uh, what did you take away that you could IU fans could kind of hold on to um, with these next two games coming up? Sammy, you there? I'm I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. No, I can't. It just went. It went for. It went dead there for a second on my end. Like my the call stayed on, but there was just silence. All right. Well, my question, um, my question, Matt, was what what positives can IU take out of yesterday's game? Where you know they they had Michigan tied ten ten. It was um, you know you're you're a really late pass interference call away from taking the lead, um, and maybe possibly taking the lead into halftime. Uh, what positives can can IU fans take out of the that game? heading into Maryland and Rutgers and the bye week? Well, I think you showed you could compete. I mean, I know the final was 31-10, but that even going in, you know, I think I'm trying to remember what it was late in the third quarter. I mean, that, that was still that was still an up-in-the-air game. You were, there was still a chance, you know, to, uh, to you know, tie that game or win that game, you know, come back and tie it and, 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 and make it competitive down to the end. And, you know, I think that's what you take care of. It. As bad as the O-line was, as poor as, you know, Connor Bayslack played, you, you still had a chance in that game. Like you said, you know, um, they could easily been up what 14, 10 going into half and you come out, you come out in the second half um, with the ball to start, to start that half. So, um, you know, they showed they can, compete. I'll be perfectly honest. I, I thought they were going to get, uh, I thought they were going to get, um, you know, curb stomped <laughs> yesterday. And um, even though the final did end up 21 points, I don't think you can say that's what really happened. I know that was a competitive game and, Obviously, they didn't do much in the second half on offense, and, and that's, that's what it did them in. But, you know, they hung around, and they had a chance with the number four team in the country. All you ask for is you get late in the third quarter to have a chance, and they had a chance. Uh, that's what they had. And, you know, obviously, you just they couldn't do anything offensively, and it got away from them. But it shows that they can compete with some of the better teams in this league. And, you know, they got two games coming up here that are winnable games, as you call them, you know, toss-ups or – um, you know, kind of games are on the fence, 50-50 games. And so, you know, if you can come out with that same kind of effort and, 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 and a, lot of the, a lot of the game and fix your offense, you've got a chance to, to get these next two games. Zach, I want to ask you about the atmosphere uh, around homecoming. You're a student on campus. You're down there all week. Uh, Fox's big noon kickoff came in there as well. Uh, student section had another great crowd. Uh, they stayed for, I would say, most of the game. Uh, in, until it was, you know, clearly over. What was your takeaway just around the atmosphere of that game and, and how they're feeling after this loss? Are the students still bought in? I know it might be a tough student attendance week this week against Maryland with fall break coming up. 
Yeah, the students stuck around and I thought they did a, a good job at showing up yesterday. Um, I think this is a student, uh, like, especially a student group as a group, like we've been beaten down as a fan base because a lot of people had the best season suppressed because they weren't able to be there. And I'll never forget about Allen. And he's like, he's like, everything went great after we beat Penn State, right? It was the best, but he's like, the only thing is like, we didn't have the fans to take down the goalposts. Um, you know, so going into the game, we uh, didn't have much to lose. And I think we showed up and, you know, Alan said it perfectly. We put us in a spot to win the game with down being a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I think that was a tipping point for Allen. Yeah, the, I think IU had negative 12 yards in, in the fourth quarter. And no matter who you are, that's not going to work. Um, you know, you got to move the ball forward. The, there were times they had good field position, starting field position. Uh, and it just seemed like Michigan was in the backfield at every play. Uh, Matt, let's take a look. Uh, Can I add forward. one more thing? Yeah, um, sure. If Go I ahead, could. Jack. The thing that struck out to me again yesterday, and I elaborated it on my article, but it was fourth, fourth quarter, early fourth quarter, down a touchdown. We have a third down, third and 10, and they call a timeout. The next play, it was like, I'm sure it was just a sack. I mean, and Bazak had less than three seconds or two and a half seconds or whatever. So I think that sums it up perfectly. Yeah, it's no matter how prepared or, you know, if you call timeout it, yesterday, it just looked like, um, especially in the second half, that Michigan was going to do whatever they want with, with IU's offensive line uh, and things like that. But, Matt, I'll, I'll call these next two games swing games. Uh, IU is a 10-point underdog going into uh, the Maryland game next week at home. But what, what is it that IU needs to do to, to get this season back on track and it, at least, at the very least, split these two games before going into that bye week? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, they've tried to address one part of it is, you know, you got to get this offense going. I mean, you're just, you know, they're not doing anything offensively. You know, obviously, when you face Maryland, um, their passing game, they've got, some, they've got some athletes there on the outside, some guys who can really make plays. So I need you. I think you need to get pressure on that quarterback and, and make him uncomfortable. Um, he he's prone to mistakes. You know, if you get him, if you get him, you know where he's he's you know not real comfortable in the pocket. He'll sometimes kind of throw it up a little bit. You've seen that from him. But he also can be a guy that can really uh, you know carve you up if he's given time. So you know I think there you gotta you gotta you know make him kind of uncomfortable and then. Um, you know, offensively, you just got to start being better up front and hopefully this change will be a step in the right direction. Um, you got to run it well enough that you can, you know, uh, keep the defense honest. And then hopefully Bazelot can get back in a rhythm, you know, that he had some of the earlier games when he was throwing the ball better and, um, you know, this offense. And it'd be nice if you could get a DJ Matthews back, you know, um, that, that, that speed guy, that big play guy that you just really kind of haven't had the last, what, two or three weeks, however long he's been out. Um, so, you know, it, you just, you just really got to figure out a way to get a win, whatever that takes snap this losing streak, you know, get to four and three um, and then go face a Rutgers team where it's going to be a competitive game because they're just not a high scoring offense. And, and you know, they're going to keep, and they just got a new, they fired their OC today and 
you know, obviously they're struggling on offense. It's a game that you should be in till the end. And if you can make a player two, if you can, if you can, you know, hopefully split these and be four and four, but obviously five and three would be great because then you got four games to get that one win you need to uh, to go bowling. Yeah, and one last question on the offensive line, Matt. Um, you're the, the recruiting expert on Indiana football. Talk about the can you talk about the talent that IU has coming in? Because it seemed like these guys were all like highly recruited. Like Khalil Benson was recruited by the Mississippi SEC schools, um, and DJ uh, uh, Moore and, and Josh Sales. They, these guys were not like one or two star guys. These were solid three, four star offense alignment that IU brought in. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong. It, talent really wasn't the issue it, it was pro- it was all development and, and coaching yeah I mean I, the one thing that Darren Hiller has done a good job and even you know, you know people always talk fondly about Greg Fry and for good reason but he brought he's brought in you know better at least on paper I mean you know you got that's all we can go on until they start playing on paper the offensive line recruits over the last four or five years have been have been pretty good um, it's a tough position for a school like Indiana to recruit to because there's only so many six six 320 pound human beings walking on this planet who are like athletic and could go out and move laterally and do that. And those guys usually end up at Bama or Ohio state or some of those bigger programs. So, you know, you got to try to, you got to try to find some guys that maybe are six, five, six, six, two fifty, And you see, okay, he can grow into an alignment or maybe a big tight end that you can get bigger. So as far as recruiting, he's done a nice job. It's just the development has not been there. And, and you mentioned there's a number of guys that had a bunch of, you know, good offers, um, you know, power five offers and, you know, a lot of those guys have just not, have not panned out. Um, and I don't know if it's, you know, I don't think it's all their fault. It's, I think this has been a development issue and, and that'll obviously it's going to be tough for Rod Carey to do a lot of developing right now because you're in the middle of the season. You've got to hit the ground running to prepare for, you know, these, this final stretch, the second half of the season. But, you know, I, he will have some chance to work with these guys in practice and hopefully that'll, that'll start to translate to uh, improve play, you know, going forward. But I do think development has, has been a problem on the O-line. I, I think that's pretty obvious without so many guys just don't seem to be working out. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks, Zach. Uh, this is After the Dust Settles uh, from Hoosier Huddle. Uh, we put a lid on the Michigan game. Not much else to put on there. Indiana had 29 yards of offense in the second half, negative 12 in the fourth quarter. Uh, that's not going to get the job done against the number four team in the country. Uh, the hope is uh, some of these injured players start to come back. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it'd be nice to have Cam Jones back uh, for the last uh, few games of the season as well uh, as Jalen Williams. But I thought Christopher Keys played well. I thought Bradley Jennings played well. Uh, but depth is ever important in the Big Ten, and, and I use finding that out the hard way. But thank you guys for joining me. Uh, you could read all of Matt's stuff on, on peaks.com and uh, you can read Zach and myself at hoosierhuddle.com. You can follow us at uh, Hoosier, Hoosier underscore huddle as well. Uh, guys, have a great evening. Enjoy the rest day, rest of the day of NFL football and some MLB uh, playoffs. And uh, we'll talk next week. I'd just like to shout out uh, IU legend Tevin Coleman. Um, so. Having a great game right now. Yeah, Tevin Coleman back with the 49ers, finding the end zone uh, and, and things like that. So, uh, again, thanks, Matt, for, for being on. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. One. 
two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.